0: I'm Rob Skinner, and this is the Rob Skinner Podcast. In this episode, I interview Sean Wooten, leader of the Revive EE program, and we're going to find out what's been happening with the Revive EE program and his relief work for Ukraine. All this and more on the Rob Skinner Podcast. Welcome back to the Rob Skinner Podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no-regrets life, make this life count, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. My interview of Sean Wooten on episode 18, way back in June of 2020, is one of my most listened to interviews. Many people have been inspired by Sean's life and his example and have commented on it. I've gotten a lot of feedback from it. A lot of people have talked about it and continue to talk about it. And so I felt strongly that I need to find out what's been going on recently in his life and in his ministry. There's been so much going on with the Russian inv- invasion of Ukraine, and the work that he's been doing there. In that first interview, one of the things that that really inspired me was Sean's fasting and his spirituality. And uh, I I wondered how much he actually weighed after all the forty day fasting, the thirty day fasting. <laughs> and I did a seven day fast immediately after talking to him, and it was awesome. And have done several seven-day fasts since that time. But that was just one of the many ways that I've been inspired and personally challenged by his his life and example. So I look forward to having him on the program. Sean,
1: welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you, Rob. And did you play that guitar segment? Like I, I see the I, guitar You know, I, I sure
0: wish I, I did not play that. <laughs> That's borrowed. <Okay. laughs> that would be awesome so anyway Gay, can you give, give me an overview of wh- what you've been up to since june of 2020 i mean it's it, there's a lot been happening
1: yeah okay um first of all it's great to see you i i get to see you this is zoom but um <laughs> but i've also i'm equally inspired and i think uh rob you've definitely kindled a spirit in me several years ago that even inspired me to go off on a revive um i know i know your listeners know you so i don't have to explain to them who you are but uh I do appreciate all you do for the kingdom and to inspire churches and disciples to be their best for God. So God bless you, bro. And keep doing what you're doing. It's, it's having a profound impact around the world. So thank you. I really do appreciate that.
0: That that means a lot coming from you. So thank you.
1: Um, Amen. So June of 2020, uh, basically June of 2020, we were getting ready to move to Budapest, Hungary. And actually in June, We had set seven flags that were actually red that needed to turn green before I would tell the team to quit their jobs, give up their apartments, leave their churches, and get ready to go to Eastern Europe because we were in the middle of COVID. Uh, Praise God, by the middle of June, the entire team had raised enough money to go because basically everybody's self-funded. But miraculously, all of these seven red flags turned green by June 15th. Now, we said it can't stay green for a week. It needs to stay green for a whole two months. If they stay green for two months, then we're a go. We're, we're all going to go. So God blessed. We were fasting. We had a fast chain. We were praying and begging God to keep everything green. 15th of August came around, and it's still green. And we said, okay, let's go. Everyone, give notice. Quit your job. Give up your, give up your apartments. Move into your parents' house. Get your plane tickets in two weeks. We're landing in Budapest. Hmm. Literally five days after that, Hungary declares that they're shutting down their borders and not allowing anybody in. So here we are. Now I have a team of twenty-four people who are unemployed and they have no they have nowhere to live. <laughs> and we, we get on our regular Saturday call, and I said, guys, Hungary just closed its border. Let's go. Let's meet in Odessa. Let's go to Odessa. <clears throat> and everyone's like, okay, let's get our tickets to Odessa. About five days after that, now about seven days before we launch, the Ukraine closes its borders. So now they get on the call and it's like, okay, guys, we're not going to the Ukraine. And I thought, I'm going to lose the entire call right now. Everyone's (laughs) going to be like, I've had enough of this revive thing. (laughs) Uh, But God bless them. Uh, They were all like, okay, so where do we go now? And I said, well, the only place we can all land is Istanbul, Turkey, which is, you know, 99% Muslim. And I said, let's all meet there. And we'll keep praying that God opens the door. So we all landed in Istanbul. We ended up, some of us ended up changing our tickets three times, um, telling our parents, so where are you going? We're going to Hungary. Oh, oh, now we're going to the Ukraine. Oh, oh, now we're going to, now we're going to Turkey. And that, that's when parents also start to freak out a little bit because where you're going, where Right. Um, a team of 25 American Christians are going to go to, you know, Muslim, Turkey, Um, But, you know, God bless. We landed in Turkey two weeks later. uh, The border opened to the Ukraine. So we flew to Odessa to stay in Odessa until the border opened to Hungary. Um, You know, the border never opened to Hungary. uh, So we ended up staying in Odessa. And uh, we spent um, the next nine months, uh, basically the revive team living in Odessa, the entire city was COVID lockdown, schools locked down, universities locked down. And we got 25 people who don't speak the language, cold contact evangelism on this street. Oh my gosh. All day long. (laughs) Like, who who cold contacts evangelism during COVID with everyone walking around with masks and no one wants to talk to anybody? And we're out there on the streets sharing our faith, preaching the word. And um, God was amazing because, you know, that that first 7 months we must have in, invited thousands of people mm. but no one on the team got covid uh, wow. the the enti- all the hospitals were filled i mean it was i mean it was it was a crazy time but god totally protected the team and um you know <clears throat> we weren't able to actually actually the first time we saw the Odessa church was the last service we were there uh because the church was in lockdown mode as well but the Revive team kept meeting together. We had strict protocols. If you have one symptom, you got to sit out for 24 hours. Then you do a test. Then you can come back into the group because we're living on top of each other. I mean, we're one person got it. We're all going to get it. So we have to be very careful um, to protect the team, but God really, really blessed. Um, And it was tough getting going um, because, you know, obviously when you live in a place, you have friends and relationships, people you can reach out to old school mates, this or that, but we're you know, we're all cold contact. We, we, we don't have any relationships. Um, but what we did is we found a cafe there in desk. It's called Mary Berry. And it's kind of like a Starbucks. <clears throat> but it was funny. But I said, guys, these people are still open during the pandemic. Let's We're just going to take over this cafe. <laughs> we're going to spend all of our free time here, Bible studies here, Bible talk here, game time here, dates here. Let's just let's just take over this place. Um, and that's what we did. And uh we we would meet for church service in the Bulgarian center, and then after church, we'd bring everyone to the Maryberry. We'd have Bible talks to the Maryberry, we'd go out and share our faith, do Bible studies. We just kind of lived there. I got to know all the administrator and the owners, and they would like they they then after about two months, they started to block off half the restaurant just for us. Wow. It was like church, church of Christ. Like <laughs> this is our part of the restaurant, and it was incredible because you know, you can share your faith with people, but unless they see the community, unless they see the love and the friendship and the the hugs and warmth, they don't really understand Mm. what it is we're talking about. And that had a tremendous impact. It was great. I was studying the Bible with this guy. His name's Edward. And, you know, we got to the church study and I said, so Tell me, what's your impression of the church? He said, "You know what? I love the Mary Berry Church of Christ. It's my favorite church." <laughs> like, he, he thought we were called the Mary Berry Church of Christ, <laughs> which, which was hilarious. Um, but you know, a bunch of people started studying the Bible. You know, within about a month or two, we had almost a hundred people studying the Bible. And wow, um, God really blessed. We had a uh, uh, twelve great um, YOPro campus. You know, youth, ton, uh, t- 12 of them became Christians um, in that second semester. Um, and then of those 12 baby Christians, uh, they helped six other people become Christians. Um, so it was it was an encouraging run, definitely challenging. We weren't ready for the language. The church wasn't anticipating us coming. Wow. Um, it was just all last second. We landed there. But it also, and it wasn't it was encouraging because the very last Sunday we were there, the church finally came out of COVID restrictions and they actually saw the revive team for the first time in nine months. Oh my gosh. And they saw those they saw these 12 baby Christians for the first time in nine months. And wow. Just, you know, all all this. It's and it was it was incredibly inspiring um just to to see and be with the church. Obviously with the leadership and we were we were connecting all along, but Yeah, so that was, that was Edessa. Little did we know at that moment, God was connecting the Revive team with the church that was going to flee into the next city we ended up to, and ended up in. Um, But it was a great, it was a great run. And, you know, starting in about February, while we were in Edessa, that's when we started to, to recruit the team for 2.0. So you're building a new team, while you're still in the second half of the previous team, Um, and then you start training that team in March and April. And one of my favorite things to do to train a revive team is give them your book, um, which <laughs> is is necessary. It's actually the only required reading for the revive team is to <laughs> read your book. <laughs> so, mm-mm. thank you. Um, but yeah, so if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't read Rob's book, although you, I think you have more than one book now, don't you? Or do you have I'm, more than one. Book yeah,
0: the, I think the book you're referring to is How to Plant and Grow a Church. Yeah. And then yes, the second yes, one is uh, courage. How to how to make this life count? Yeah, but okay. th- thank awesome. you, thank you. I Appreciate the. I need
1: a, I need a copy of the second one. Okay, bro. I'll come. S- most likely to be our second required reading. I'll send so, that to you. Um, but yeah. So then we, you know, we had a break during the summer. Um, it was COVID. Um, but we got the second team ready, and this time we were planning on going to Zagreb. Um, and, uh, the Hoover's moved there to Zagreb to get ready for the revived team to come and, uh, you know, we learned from our mistakes before. So we started the document process much earlier, um, to make sure we could get into Croatia, submitted everything on time, um, waiting, waiting, waiting. And, uh, by mid August, we didn't get our Croatian documents and nobody knew why. Um, so September one rolls around and I was like, I was like, guys, we, we shouldn't land in Zagreb until we get our documents. Um, but this time, the team was from eight different countries, so it's a very multinational team. And we kind of did the, the the calculating that probably the best place to land um, would be Kishinev Moldova. We could all land there and not need a visa, and and that would be the simplest place to probably land. So the whole team land, lands in Kishinev and we're thinking we just have to wait a couple of weeks before we'll go to Zagreb. Um So we did our little introductory two weeks team building thing with the team, which is always very encouraging. And we still didn't have our documents. I said, well, let's just go out and share our faith and set up studies. Let's just go out and invite people to study the Bible. We're not going to be here very long. Let's just see who's open. Um, Walk up to people and say, hey, you know, what do you think about God? What, What do you think about the Bible? And then just say, would you be interested in looking at the Bible? Like, are you doing anything right now? And just ask people right there. And uh, if they're not really willing, give them an invitation to church. But if they are open, let's just let's just ask them to a cafe and jump right in there and start studying the Bible. Um, probably in the next two or three weeks, we had over a hundred people studying the Bible. Wow! I mean, it was unbelievable—the openness and the desire. And I was scratching my head, thinking, you know what? I'm not sure we should leave here right now. Wow! Even if we get our, I mean. Do we leave all these people behind? What do we do? Right. Um, so we we, and interesting enough, um, we we found this hotel here that has like a conference center because Kishinev was also in lockdown at that moment. Um, no universities were meeting. You couldn't go into a hall without a COVID, uh, uh, te- you know, what is that called, vaccine card. But in this hotel we stayed, we were the only ones here because no one's traveling. And they have like four meeting halls that can all hold like 100 people each, even 200. Wow. And the owner of the hotel said, well, if you live here, you can just use the halls. You don't need the vaccine cards. So we thought, let's just stay here. So we're all living in like this dorm uh, that has meeting space. And we started to invite people to Sunday services and people just came out. I mean, uh, it was, there was just, we just had a lot of people come out. A lot of people wanted to study the Bible. We never heard back from the Croatian authorities, and it looked like, well, I guess we should just stay here. Um, But you're only allowed to stay here for 90 days. So we started to figure out that we can't stay here more than 90 days. We submitted documents here for Moldova. We were told that wasn't going to be a problem. Um, We basically took off for Christmas, and right as we took off for Christmas, we found out we were were rejected for our documents to be able to stay in Moldova. Half the team left their stuff here and they had already left. And we found out the day after everyone left that we can't come back here. Hmm. So people left their stuff here. And I said, guys, let's meet in Odessa then. Let's meet up in Odessa because we can't go back to Moldova as we're waiting to get to Croatia. So it's like it felt very it was it was a little bit, you know, you feel like homeless, right? I mean, pilgrims. So we take a Christmas break. We come back to Odessa. Um, So this, so
0: this is this is. The Christmas of 2021,
1: 2022, right? Is it exactly, Okay. Yeah. So yeah. just just a year ago. Yeah, just a year ago. Right. So we reappealed with our documents. Um, and uh we're sitting in Odessa. Uh in the two weeks we're there, God bless Ina, she shared her faith with her sister. Her sister came out to church, studied the Bible all 14 days we were there and got baptized the day we left. Oh my gosh. Um, but while i was while we were sitting there in Odessa the first two weeks of january i started to get calls from the embassy saying we're going to be invaded oh my gosh um, there's going to be a war this is this is a month and a half before the war actually started you know the embassy they're like you got to get out you got to get out and there's you know there's four there's four levels of warning warning 1 is don't come warning 2 is you need to leave warning 3 is we can't protect you you're on your own if you stay um and we agreed that once we hit level three, then we have to evacuate the team. Um, so we got level three. The embassy sent the letter and said, "You are now on your own. Um, do not do not reach out to us once this starts." Wow! Um, and that's from the course, U.S. U.S.
0: Embassy was... in Moldova.
1: Yeah, U.S. Embassy in Kiev. Oh, in Kiev. In Kiev. Okay. So. Uh, they were saying invasion was imminent although i think in january most of the world still didn't think that was going to happen um, okay so
0: now hold on one second so you're in moldova you didn't get your visa renewed so you had to go back to ukraine which was your home prior to that and so
1: then we're well, talking yeah so we right so we took the team actually we had planned even before we got rejected with the moldovan documents i mean we've been doing this now long enough to know anything can go wrong with our documents right so I actually told everyone, when you go home for Christmas, fly back to Odessa. And if there's not a problem, we'll just take a train across and it's all good. But if for whatever reason Moldova rejects us, we got to have somewhere to land. And I didn't want to land in Turkey okay. um, because we could encourage the Odessa church, the baby Christians from the previous revive. It won't be a waste of time right. if we land there in Odessa. So we, we, we all came back in Odessa. We figured we'd spend 10 days there, then go back into Moldova, but we got rejected. Um, so the 10 days turned into 14 and that's when we started to get the calls from the embassy. And I said, okay, let's go to Turkey. Then let's wait in Turkey until we can get back into Moldova. So we took the team to Turkey. Um, and literally there's 21 days. The government has to give you an answer, whether they're going to let you get your document or not. And it was on day 20 and the director of immigration, our, our brother Slava walks in and the director of immigration says, I'm not going to sign this. I'm not letting your people back in. I'm going to reject their documents. And he said, based on what? He said, I just don't trust your organization. Like he, he just, I, we think he maybe wanted a bribe. We don't, we don't know what he wanted, but he wasn't, he wasn't going to let us back in. So Slava that night goes home and he's discouraged and he goes out to his garage to feed the homeless dogs around his home. And there was a guy who owns the garage next to him that walks up to Slava and says, Slava, you look really discouraged. What's wrong? He said, Oh, it's a long story. He said, Well, tell me. He said, well, my friends, they're supposed to come, but the immigration has rejected their visas. And now they won't be able to come back for the next 80 days. They're going to have to sit in Odessa or Turkey for 80 or 90 days until they can come back uh, to Kishinev. And there's like, you know, there's like 100 people studying the Bible right now (laughs) um, that are waiting for us to come back. (laughs) And, you know, Slav is all discouraged. And and this guy, it was hilarious because this guy says, you know, maybe my wife could help you. And Slav was like, what do you mean your wife can help me? how is your wife going to help me? And he said, well, my wife actually is in charge of the anti-corruption committee that investigated the Department of Immigration last year that actually fired the previous director of the Department of Integration because he wasn't dealing legitimately with people's documents.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Whoa. So Slav, this guy's wife is the head of the anti-corruption who was just in the weeds in the in the uh, immigration department. And he said, yeah, give her a call. And so Slava calls are right there. This is from the street. It's freezing cold. He's feeding homeless dogs and he's calling the, the head of the anti-corruption committee for Moldova. And this woman said, so did you submit it? Did you do this? Did they give you a reason? No. Did they do this? Oh, she said, well, I'll go in tomorrow morning. I'll fix that. <laughs> so when Slava was when Slava was supposed to go in the next morning at 10 a.m. to pick up our rejected documents, this woman goes in with Slava at 930. I mean, Slava said, when I walked in with her, everyone was like, oh, my God, and needles, like everybody knows who this woman is. She walked into the director's office, walks out in five minutes, and says, they'll all be signed. They've all been approved. Your friends can come home tomorrow.
0: Oh my God. And I mean, there was just wow.
1: unbelievable. Last minute, last hour feeding homeless dogs at a garage at 10 p.m. That nine o'clock the next morning, our all of our documents went from being rejected to accepted. Wow. And um, within 24 hours, we were on a plane out of Istanbul, back into Kishinev. Um, we landed. I think it was like February first. By the time we landed, um, 24 days later, the invasion hit. It's actually today is the 11th month anniversary, um, and uh, you know it was. I got a call at five or six a.m. My daughter came running down, saying it happened. Our Kiev is being bombed. Our home's being bombed, and the three of us just sat on the edge of the bed and just started crying Mm -hmm. and we prayed and um, immediately calls were coming in of disciples because, you know, they, they bombed a lot of the different cities and we had actually prepared the Odessa church. We, we prepared them. We said, okay, um, there's options here. If something happens, either be ready to go or be ready to stay, move into house church mode, communication. If they knock out the cell towers, this is where we're going to meet come together as house churches, you know, we, we kind of set it up. So the church was a little bit ready. And when those first bombs hit, there were already several families that had made the decision. If, if a bomb hits Odessa, they're going to cross, they're going to, they're heading for Moldova. Um, So by lunchtime, we had already 20 or 30 disciples here in our little Munchi revive center. And, um, you on, know, I on the day the of the, very-
0: on the day of the invasion, you, are, you already had refugees.
1: Yeah, they were already moving. We, we told them and we said, look, come, come stay with us because of COVID this hotel was still empty. It, it has like 130 beds. Um, but it was just the revive team living here. I mean, we, wow. we own, this became home and they had no business for eight months. So I know the, the owner, the, the, every everyone who works here, they're like our friends. We celebrate birthdays. We, <laughs> we hang out together. <laughs> um so i went up to him i said look i need i need more rooms and he said how many i said i need all of them i said i need your whole, whole we need your whole hotel i said you just can you please and i said if other people want to move here let's help help them find another place but if we can move our move our you know family in, right into this hotel that'd be awesome so and that's what that's what happened i mean i think for the next two weeks there was no such thing as day off or bedtime or nighttime or daytime oh my God you had people you had people standing in lines to cross the border for 23 24 36 hours freezing cold they get across the border they don't know where to go someone's gonna meet them where do I go how do I get there can somebody come pick me up at the border I mean it was it was nonstop. We set up these telegram chats and we're charting everyone, everyone who's heading for the border, we know where they are. Europeans are driving from Berlin to come pick up people at the border. We had we mobilized the entire Western European churches. They wow. they figured out, okay, we can take brothers but not sisters. This is a single household. We can take a dog, but not a cat. We even had people with pet rats, and we're like, okay, where can the pet rat go? Like in mean, it, was, <laughs> it was this crazy. It's like hosting a conference where you house a thousand people with a three day warning Mm. and it's going to last 11 months. I mean, Mm. there's people still living in people's homes now. Um, This hospitality has not stopped. It, It had to be the most unifying, inspiring reflection of Christianity I've ever seen. Wow. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. Um, the, the, the sacrifice and the immediately desire to help and take care of and turn your life upside down to try and help somebody else. And, and I know many of these listeners, you sent money to hope, you sent money to EMS, you made sacrifices too. When all that happens, I know probably almost everyone in our movement did something, whether mm-hmm. it was come on and pray or or And you know in tragic moments like that we really are a beautiful fellowship uh, it's got to be one of the most beautiful things um so yeah we came back <clears throat> the war started three weeks later but also miraculously from the day we came back february 1st every single week until the week we left there was a baptism every single week here oh my gosh. um weekly weekly people weekly we were headed to the lake and we were headed to the pool starting february 1st uh, for the next 18 weeks um there was somebody becoming a christian every week so in spite of this insanity and how we were then spread out with trying to do hope work refugee work church work revive work all these things are going on but it was such a powerful display of love so many people were being attracted to christ into the church you know serving the poor and and taking care of people is never a distraction from Mm. saving the world it all you, you can do it all together. It actually fits nicely, um, all together. So it was an amazing finish to the Revive 2.0 team. Um, uh, you know, basically the church here of 50 grew to 90 and, um, we had zero in the campus ministry and now there's, I think, hold on. Um, I think there's 14 in the campus ministry. We had maybe six young professionals. Now that group's like 15 or 20. Wow. Um, we had one teen in the church. Now I think there's six. So it's like that hope that Revive could come in and replace that missing generation of 18 to 35 year olds. Because in most of our churches in Eastern Europe, there was a great start, but all those people are now parents right. and have kids. So their kids are young preteens, but there's nobody between their kids and them that really became Christians. So there's no campus. in. So what we were seeing is is a lot of kids are being converted to the church and converted to being good kids for their family but without a dream to save the world not a dream to save their country and and I think this was that was one of our dreams and, and I felt like God really blessed that um, but as soon as we landed and we saw the openness we also realized we needed to multiply the leadership so we had this goal from the day I landed my goal was to double the amount of small group leaders nice. we had 12 we need 24 because you can't turn a church of 50 into hundred unless you have people who will shepherd them, love them and know how to care for them, inspire them and help them to continue to be fruitful. So that's what we did. We started that Revive with 12 small group leaders. We finished it with 20 local. Wow. So almost half the church became small group leaders, uh, but now the church is at 90. So we're we're praying, um, you know, to continue to expand the church, grow the church. Okay, 3. so- 3.0, uh-huh, So
0: go ahead. L- let me just ask a few questions. So there was a small church in Moldova before you guys arrived. Yeah. Okay. So they're of, of about yeah. 50. Now I got to be honest. Yeah. I'd never heard of Moldova before. Um, right. Before you arrived there. I did not. I'm, I consider myself fairly worldly and, and knowledgeable about the world, but if you would have asked me where Moldova was, I would say it's a country in the Marvel cinematic universe that uh, superheroes inhabit or something like that. You know, I just hadn't thought a made-up name or something. That is crazy. Yeah. Okay. So
1: that is, that is so funny because in one of our interviews, when we asked people if they want to come to Moldova, they said, Is that the one in Princess Diary? And we're like, no, <laughs> exactly. that's Sinophobia. And that actually doesn't exist. <laughs> so, you have good company. Don't feel anything. <laughs> Okay, so the team didn't know where it was until they landed here. So, so the original
0: plan was, hey, we're going to go to Zagreb, Croatia, with Lowell and Angie Hoover. But then the God's plan changed that and said, no, you're going to go right. to Moldova, and that's where you guys went. And th- right. did the Hoovers go there as well?
1: No, they they went to they went to Zagreb. Okay, yeah, so, they did, and they were waiting for us. And unfortunately, we never got, got there.
0: Okay. So this is kind of a situation, kind of reminds me of, of Paul trying to get into Asia, and he's deflected away by the Spirit and ends up going into, uh, you know, Philippi, into Europe at that point. Right, I mean, right, you must have had some, right. a lot of digging into the Scriptures to figure out, hey, what in the world is God doing in all this?
1: Right. No, it was. it sounds fun, and it makes sense now, but... You know, at the time I thought, man, I must be really doing something wrong. This must be like a bad idea. Right. This just, we can never guess it right. And then I'm even afraid to say where we're going for the next revive because it's like, (laughs) what's the point? the only thing we know for sure is that we're not going where I say we're going. That's the only thing that's consistent. I can't, but, hel- I can't help I can't help but think about a
0: like a James Bond movie where they, you know, every scene is in a different country and you're going all over the world, right. just trying to track where you're going to Turkey, to the Ukraine, to Odessa, back, you know, all these places. It's it's crazy. How how do no, you okay. handle the the stress of being responsible for all these people? who are counting on your expertise and your guidance and at the same time knowing I'm, I'm not in control of world events.
1: Right. Right. So yeah, that's a, well, luckily this, you know, so let me say a couple of things. One, one thing is, you know, looking back at it now, God put us in a city to connect with a church that was going to go through an unprecedented trial and so now looking back and then and then we ended up in we weren't in Croatia he put us in the neighboring country so that we could receive his people as they mm. flee wow and it's like once the war hit and once the Odessa church landed back into the revive group back into Moldova and we were all back together again and we were able to facilitate all this and we were on the ground i thought God had this figured out way, way ahead of time. I mean, this this, this wasn't our engineering. We mm. could have never figured this out. But there could be no more appropriate path for the Revive team to set us up for what's going to be definitely historically, you know, we're Eastern Europe, right? This is the most tragic thing to ever happen in this part of the world. This mm. is well, maybe not ever. I mean, World War II and World War One, but at least in our generation, right. this was the most difficult situation and and you also scratch your head and you think okay why are there two thousand christians in the ukraine and all the other countries are like 100 or 50 or this you know why is it such a dis and then now there's a thousand christians that moved out of the ukraine and western european churches used to be a thousand members now there's two thousand members in the western <laughs> european churches It's almost like God used Ukraine because Mm. it was a more fertile soil, but now he's moved them out. And he's putting them in the other country. It's like, there's something going on here that's so above my pay grade, like it is so above my pay grade and um, God is doing something spectacular and amazing. And um, so I would say that, and I think I, you know, we came up with this revive idea and then COVID hit. No one had had heard of COVID when we thought of revive. right? And then COVID barely gets over. Now we have war. And it's like we're in the middle of all of this. But at the same time, we're not backing down. We're still going. Right. We're still out cold contact. We're, we're still sharing. We're comforting. We're, and I think it's just encouraged me that, you know, and God bless his team. I, I just feel like I've been very blessed with the teams that have come. And you know, they're they're all in, right? They're wholehearted. They raise their own money, they quit their jobs during COVID. Uh, who quits their job during COVID? Right. Um, you know, we even had families bring their little kids. You know, the Stephanie and uh, right. Jesse. Yeah, Thomas. Thomas. They're, mm-hmm. they're right. there in Thomas. Yeah, Thomas in uh, Arizona. Uh, incredible! They brought their two little girls right. uh, to Zagreb. Oh, I'm sorry. No, Moldova. Oh, no, not Moldova. <laughs> oh, now there's war. And their little, they didn't go home. They stayed here the wow. whole time. Right. And there's there's a there's a incredible Bible talk right now in the Moldovan church that, uh, Jesse and Stephanie started and it's still thriving and everyone still remembers how Jesse and Stephanie started it. It's like, and that was the dream, come on revive for a year and leave something behind that will change this church for generations. And I just think that's, that's exciting. But I think for me personally, um, you know, I, I think, It was time for us to move on from the Ukraine. God raised up an eldership. He raised up a lead evangelist. We could have happily stayed there forever just because it was home. right? But there was need, right? There were 16 other countries that don't look like the Ukraine as far as evangelization is concerned. And I think the Lord helped us detach, kind of detach from what made us most comfortable. And, you know, we packed up our Two suitcases, right? That's all we could take. It's all you can fly with. I had one big suitcase, one small. To this day, that's that's what I have. That's what I own. Wow. When when I came home for Christmas, I brought everything I own. It's in my suitcase. <laughs> and then Delta loses my suitcase. It lost my suitcase at the Discipleship <laughs> Summit, then lost it again over Christmas. Um, but luckily, Delta lets you go shopping and buy new clothes. So I got seven fresh T-shirts, seven fresh socks, seven fresh wow. whatever I <laughs> But you know, there's there's also a it, you know. I think I feel in, and praise God for my wife. We we feel like this is a great use of our life right now. Mm. Um, so it's kind of our dream to do this until twenty thirty. Wow. Okay. Um, we continue to go to different countries.
0: Okay, I've got uh-huh. a lot of questions just popping up. First of all, um, let's let's talk a little bit about your wife. Your wife is Russian.
1: You're yeah
0: American. American. Your your kids Ukrainian citizens, so how, no they're,
1: they're they're half Russian half American. Okay, so they're half Russian half American, but born in Ukraine or born in? So they were they, they were both born in Moscow, but my daughter would definitely say she's Ukrainian. Okay, um, you know we moved to the Ukraine since she was five. She went to grade school, high school, and now she's in college in Ukraine right now. So she's she's in her mind clearly Ukrainian. How do you... Andrew probably sees himself as Russian? And, and yeah. So, I
0: mean, there's gotta be, so how do you navigate the war with all of those countries converging right in, in the midst of your, right in your family?
1: Um, so, um, you know, I think, um, that's a good question and I'm not sure I could probably cover it in this podcast, but I think. I'm incredibly, I, at least I try to be, and basically life is, because I've been overseas now for 32 years, right? Oh I haven't lived gosh. in America for 32 right, years. Right, right. So <clears throat> I was 20, 23 when I moved. So I've spent 32 years overseas, 23 years in America. So I, I don't associate myself with any particular nationality. Um, so... um. Yeah, I, I think, and and we and we teach this to the church, and you know, I host almost an, a daily prayer time, where we just keep okay. Our, our citizenship is not on this earth. Um, we we don't belong to my old self died. My my new self, I live for this other kingdom. Um, now, if I do have a citizenship, I'll use that to win people. Mm-hmm. If I'm living in a country, I'll use that to win people. But my only goal is to win people. It, it's it's. I don't have a, a patriotism, so to speak. I have a gratitude. I have a gratitude for the the great things that America has done and provided for me. I have gratitude for Moldova right now as it protects me and takes care of me. There's gratitude. Um, but there's not an allegiance, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, I've lived most of my life in countries that don't trust or like America. Um, and you know, and political things shift, right? There's a time when Ukraine liked America. There's times when it didn't. There's times when Russia was more favorable. There's times it's not. I just try and be completely I just don't I just don't engage with it. it. Um I feel empathy for the people. I hurt for the people. Hmm. Um I want to protect them. And I want us to convert people through this. And right. we've had about five refugees just accidentally, and I'm quoting with my fingers, accidentally wind up in this refugee center who got baptized and became Christians, Wow! which is such an ironic thing because they'll say the greatest thing that ever happened to them is this refugee status. Because mm. if they didn't become refugees, they wouldn't have gotten, they wouldn't have become Christians. So that's so, it's so upside down. Um but yeah, we we're, we 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 stay out of politics, and we always have as a family because there's no there's no good into that discussion, right? Um, you know, we never discuss politics or national things. I look for the things I love about Russia, and there's still things I love about Russians. It's it's one of the most beautiful people, and I love the culture. Um, I love the Ukraine. I love the people. I love Moldova. I've actually now totally fallen in love with Moldova. <laughs> I could stay here. Something tells me when we move to Romania, I'm going to become just a huge fan of Romanians. But, you know, I just think that's that's the way we should be. Th- this life's so short. Amen. Let's just yeah, that's just right. win people. That's
0: right. So what are your plans going for? You talked a little bit about 2030. What, Where do you see things going? What are your plans for reaching continuing to reach Eastern Europe. I mean, you must have to still make plans, even though they may blow up as they have. What's your right. can you give at least your your best guess?
1: Sure. Yeah. No, right now we are we are aimed at Bucharest Romania for 4.0. Um so we're gonna start working we actually just started working on the documents. Um we're gathering the team Um, There's probably another month for people to fill out out an application and come on Revive 4.0. Basically, we'll try and pick the team by March 1st or mid-March, and then we do the fundraising because we're kind of self-funded. And then we'll do some training together, and then September 1, we all land in Romania. Um, That's the current plan. Um, Backup plan would be Turkey or... um, Albania or somewhere, somewhere else we could get the whole team in. Right. It's documents pretty much rue the day. And, um, that's more complicated for my wife, as you pointed out, she's Russian. So oh, she's Russian. like, for instance, right. even, if, even if you have a visa to Poland right now, they won't let a Russian in like the country's locked down from anyone, Russian entering the country. So if tomorrow the country we choose to go to locks us out, then we have to pick another country because I don't really feel like doing a revive without my wife. (laughs) That's not going to work. No. Okay. So your wife still has
0: uh, Russian citizenship. She hasn't naturalized through you for American citizenship.
1: She doesn't have an American citizenship. Okay. Okay. So she doesn't have a green card either. And because basically you have to live in America for five years to get those, to have an opportunity for those documents. And we've never wanted to leave the mission field. Right. So she, she just has a tourist visa, which thank God she, you know, we can get tourist visas to America as long as we want. Okay. So the the European union requires more.
0: So Sean, what, what are you looking for, for, for 4.0 and who are you looking for? And if a person's interested, how can they get involved? What do they need to do? And if someone wants to give, how can they do that? Can you just talk, talk about that? Okay.
1: Yeah. Thank you for asking. Um, you know, I think we're not real, we're not real picky. Um, it it takes a lot of guts and kind of a special kind of person to want to come this way. Anyways, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like a self filtering process. (laughs) Um, not just anybody who signs up for this, you, you've got to have some conviction, some drive, some dreams, some desire. Um, and uh you know i think what we look for is you know you know we want you to come for 10 months um uh you know w- we just want you to be a faithful disciple who's willing to share their faith and go out and and have good chemistry with their peers and um you know give their hearts for 10 months that's that's really what we look for and you know i think on a revive 1.0 i think out of the 24 members i think only four or five people had ever led a Bible talk. Um, so it's not even Bible talk leaders who had signed up, um, but they all did great. And and a bunch of them were fruitful and they got a lot of training and same thing with 2.0. Um, you know, and I think it's a great environment to get training because even Jesse and Stephanie didn't come over here as full-time ministers. They weren't in the ministry. Um, but after spending a year here, um, They actually got put into the full-time ministry there in Phoenix. So I think it's, you know, you don't have to buy the farm. You don't have to stay in Eastern Europe. We think 10 months is a great opportunity. You'll get training. You'll get exposed to the mission field. You get exposed to another culture. That makes you richer, more diversified in how you treat people. Mm -hmm. makes you more aware. Um, You'll be able to tell crazy stories the rest of your life to your grandkids. And when special missions comes around, that's not going to be like a box you tick. It's going to be something you live. So I think... I think the Mormons do it right. I think oh. we should encourage more of our members, go spend a year exactly overseas, come back, yep. get your career going, yep. whatever else you want to do, have kids, but take a year Yep, and you'll have friends and yep. you'll have a connection. And at the, at the Moldovans 40 anniversary, my guess is Jesse and Stephanie will come back and they'll see that the church has 500 members and they're right. going to think, I was here when it was 50 and right. they'll take their kids and their grandkids and it's just something special forever yep. um and it and it costs you 10 months it it doesn't interrupt everything it doesn't you know sideline you so yeah i think that's what we're looking for um, i'm i'm 100% I,
0: in agreement i i i think the mormons and i've shared this before they have just got it down i mean just go out for a mission for a year or two and and just take a year right. off now if a person is there an age restriction like can you come at 60 can you come at at 40. I mean, are you looking for, you know, between 20 and 25? What kind of a uh picture of Great a person you're looking for?
1: Right. So the oldest person we've ever brought on the team was 76. Uh. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the, the youngest person we ever brought uh was 18. Wow. Um so we actually we actually had a kid just right out of high school before he we went to college decide to come um, and do a year of revive. That's awesome. Uh, on this team, uh, we have a 20 year old girl, um, who did actually one year of college. Then she took a year off and then she's going to go back and finish her college. Cause I think it's important to finish your, you need to finish your education wherever right. you are. Right. Um, but to take a gap year or come spend a year. Um, and then, you know, we do have Yopro, then we have our Caleb's, right? Those are the empty nesters. Um, the Estathians and um, please be praying for Anne. She was just diagnosed with cancer, so she has gone back to the States. Um, But some Caleb couples, you know, I think that's one of our strongest suits as a movement. I mean, I walk into the Boston church or I walk into the Phoenix church, there's a hall of a thousand people and there's like 400 people my age or or a little bit older who have been in the kingdom for 30 years. exactly. And there's a hundred of them sitting in three rows together. Like they're Where you could take just one of them and drop them in my church and they would be the guru of all gurus. What do I do with this? What do I do with it? I mean, there's so many ways they could be used. And I think our empty nesters, once you become an empty nester and you retire, go. Go go get out there. I mean, you do need to continue to build the local church. So not everyone needs to go, but you know, you could find ten couples and say, Who's going this year? Let's 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 fan out and let's encourage right. Um I know Kevin and so are, I know
0: those. I know Kevin and Erica Lou from our church definitely want to go and are, are talking to you about that and they're planning on going in September. So that's exciting. How much does a person yes, need they, to save yeah. or have in their pocket to go for those ten months?
1: Oh, okay. So um, basically, it costs about a thousand dollars a month to live over here in this part of the world. You can live on a thousand dollars a month. So. When we do our fundraising, we do a fundraiser of $12,000 for the year. That's 10 months at $1,000 each, then $2,000 for travel. So you could go back and forth a couple times and be able to cover your travel expenses. Um, so yeah, the fundraisers are 12000 and, you know, all three revives, we've successfully fundraised for every team member. Wow. Um, We added some Eastern Europeans to the team and obviously, you know, a Ukrainian who's on our team right now can't raise money from their friends and connections in the Ukraine. Right. Um, but I think that was another thing that was amazing when the war hit, we had, um, we had four Russians on the team and six Ukrainians all sitting in the same room when this happened. Wow. And, um, the way that they loved up on each other and accepted each other and encouraged each other, it was, it was phenomenal. And, On this team, we have Russians, we have Ukrainians, we have Moldovans, um, as well as people from the West. Um, but it's a special, it's a special culture that Christ builds when he is the center and not current affairs or views or things that are happening. It's just all about him. And, and I'm just grateful. Um, For the spirituality of the team um, in that area. That's great. Well, Sean, yeah, twelve thousand, twelve thousand bucks is usually the amount. That just seems like it just seems
0: like a total bargain. I mean, I was like, oh my gosh, that's awesome! Thank you so much for what you're doing. Thank you for your example. You you are what I would consider to be the indispensable man. You're in the in in position at just the right time. God's used you clearly, and it's exciting. And it it's. Gives me a great sense of, uh, of respect and pride to call you brother. And it's, I know that you inspire me and many, many people across the world for your example of commitment to Christ and his mission. So all the best to you going forward and all the help that we can give you. We certainly want to. And I, I hope the listeners uh, really respond and uh, people and resources flood your way.
1: Amen. Thanks, bro. Appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks for,
0: thanks for the time.
1: Amen. Thanks, bro.
0: Thanks for listening to the Rob Skinner Podcast. If you're enjoying it, I'd like to ask your help and support through one of the following. First of all, hit the subscribe button. Secondly, let your friends know about the podcast. If you've got a podcast that you really enjoy, an episode that really hits you, just send the link to a friend and let them know about it. And finally, read and review one of my books, How to Plant and Grow a Church, or Courage, How to Make This Life Count. You can find these books on Amazon because my goal is to inspire you to make this life count, to live a no regrets life, and to multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Have a great day and make this life count.